Here's what I need you to do. I need everybody to grab a Bible. Everybody's going to need a Bible. You're going to need to be able to see it for yourself. Some of these scriptures we're not putting on the screen because we want you to be able to see your own Bible. If you use a phone, uh, if you don't have one, there should be a Bible maybe in the pew back around you, but we want you to have it. We need you to go to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. This morning, we are continuing uh, this series called Afterlife, where we are exploring exactly what it is that the Word has to say about what happens when this life is over with, when, when this body passes away, what is next? And so that's what we're doing over the next several weeks. Uh, this morning, we're going to start in John chapter 14. When you came in, you probably got a worship guide and on the back of that worship guide is a set of notes. If you like to fill out notes or if you're a, a details person, feel free to follow along with us. Uh, we want you to be able to, to have um, that in front of you as, as I go through the word this morning. Um, I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll jump in. Father, be here. Holy Spirit, you are invited. You are welcome to come and awaken hearts and awaken minds. And truth is, is I'm personally asking that Holy Spirit, from your word, you would change the way that we think about this life. And you would change the way that we view the current world that we're living in and that you would help us to see a reality that is invisible but is forever. We need your spirit to do this because we live in a culture that is so desperately tied to what we can see, taste, touch, and feel. And so, Lord, would you go past our senses into the deep place inside of us, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Yes, I'm ready now. Then close your eyes and tap your heels together three times. And think to yourself, there's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's, there's no, no place like home. There's no place like home. Wake up, honey. There's no place like home. There's no place like home. There's no Dorothy, Dorothy, dear. It's Aunt Em, darling. Oh, Annie Em. It's you. Yes, darling. Hello there. Anybody home? I, uh, I just dropped by because I heard the little girl got caught in the big... Well, she seems all right now. Yeah, she got quite a bump on the head. We kind of thought there for a minute she was going to leave us. Oh. But I did leave you, Uncle Henry. That's just the trouble. And I tried to get back for days and days. There, there, lie quiet now. You just had a bad dream. Sure. Remember me? Your old pal, Hunk? Oh. <laughs> me? <laughs> Hickory? You couldn't forget my face, could you? But it wasn't a dream. It was a place. And you and you... 
And you were there. Oh, <laughs> But you couldn't have been, could you? Oh, we dream lots of silly things when we... No, Aunt Em. This was a real, truly live place. And I remember that some of it wasn't very nice, but most of it was beautiful. But just the same, all I kept saying to everybody was, I want to go home. And they sent me home. <laughs> Doesn't anybody believe me? Of course we believe you, though. Oh, but anyway, Toto, we're home. Home. And this is my room. And you're all here. And I'm not going to leave here ever, ever again. Because I love you all. And, oh, Annie M., there's no place like home. No place like home. And um, I'm sorry, I, did, I probably should have done a spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, but <laughs> the movie did come out in 1939, so you need to get with the times. So sorry about that. Love, uh, love that idea. There's no place like home. Uh, you can go to some amazing places. You can go to Oz. You can go on, in fact, in fact many of you probably went on vacation uh, this summer. And you got to go to some cool places. Um, but there was nothing like when you come back to your own house, you get into your own bed, right? And uh, you get to the place that's familiar to you. You know where all the things are, the cups are, the silverware is. There's, there's nothing like being able to actually come home. Home is a significant uh, place, and uh, there's lots of neat places to be, but home is by far the most significant. It means the most to us. All of um, the, mo- the majority of our memories are attached to home. Home is important, and Jesus actually knows this, and he has something to say about the idea of home. And you can look in John chapter 14 where you're opened up, and Jesus uh, is speaking to Uh, his people, his disciples, and he says, listen, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. You need to hear this. Jesus is creating a home for us and this life ain't it. Jesus is creating an actual place. So here's what he says. I'm going to a place, and I am preparing something for you, and this is your final destination. And he's looking into the eyes of the people saying, the hardest thing in the world to do is to get your mind around the fact that this is not home, that the life that we're living in right now is not it, that we haven't arrived so we can enjoy and delight and experience uh, all, all the things here in this life, uh, we, haven't just, we, we, don't, we don't just have these things here so we can have these fun momentary experiences uh, that, that we think are going to go on forever. But in fact, that we know that they're not. But the truth is, is this isn't going to be the final resting place. This isn't our final home. And we will not 
ultimately be satisfied with this life. There's, there is something greater, and our hearts are craving it. There's something beyond here, and we all know it and feel it. In fact, I think we've all had a moment or time where we look at the scope of our lives or we look at what's going on and we go, golly, there's got to be something more than this. And that's what Jesus is trying to say here in this text. Listen, there's something coming, and I'm preparing it for you, and it is so far beyond this time. Uh, Peter says in his first uh, letter to the churches in Asia Minor, Peter says this. He says, listen, you are sojourners and aliens, or in fact, what one um, version says, you're exiles. And the two words he's using here, here's what he's saying. Listen, you're both foreign to this place, and you're only temporarily here. Those two words, uh, sojourners and exiles, here's what he's saying is, listen, you're, you're only here for a given amount of time, and you're, in fact, here, but you're not really from here, and you aren't staying here. And that's what he says. And so he says, don't give your heart over to the things of just this life. There's lots to do here. There's lots to experience. But this is not in in any way, form, or fashion the totality. We're only here inhabiting for a moment. And, and, And that's what we actually said. If you were here last week, we said, listen, every person in here is an eternal being. Now, I don't want you to get this mixed up with divine. We're not, there's only one divine is God. But all of us are eternal, and every one of us has uh, an, an opportunity to step into either eternal life or eternal death. And I don't, I'm not the one that gets to make these things up. The scripture is the one that informs us exactly how God has structured this life. And what he says is every one of us is eternal. And we're going to have either eternal life or there is eternal death. But every one of us is going on from this place. And there are go- there's going to come a time where we stand before Jesus and there's going to be a judgment. And the first one is this. Did you trust Jesus with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength for his life in exchange for yours? To give away all of our brokenness and make that exchange. Say, Lord, you're king. To first do that. And then there's going to be a second one uh, that we talked about last week that says this. Listen, that what we do in this life matters in the age to come. That all of our decisions matter, we, that's, and they, they not just matter now. We all know that. We all know that our decisions matter now, right? When you go to Baskin-Robbins and you're like struggling between vanilla and chocolate, you're just like going, God, what should I do? This is painful. I don't know. You know, maybe I should do chocolate with the, the, the syrup or whatever we should do, but you, you feel the weight of that. And you're like going, I don't really have that. I know exactly what ice cream I'm getting when I go to... Every one of us has that... Uh, thing is that we know that our choices have uh, ramifications here. What we don't always think about is that they have, it has ramifications for the age to come. And so what Jesus is saying here and what he wants us to have a view of is that, listen, I'm going to prepare a place for you that is beyond anything you could imagine. That there's something beyond this life that is more than you can think of or understand, and so don't let this life own you. Jesus says, uh, we mentioned this last week, Jesus says to the criminal on the cross next to him, as Jesus' life is being pulled away from him, and he says, listen, looks to the criminal, he says, today you will be with me in what? In paradise. 
So Jesus has in view what this eternal life is and what it looks like. And it's beyond our comprehension. Paul quotes the, uh, this text from Isaiah to the Corinthian church, and here's what he says, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. So no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Verse 10, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Here's what Paul's trying to communicate. This is the same thing that Jesus is trying to communicate when he was speaking. This life is not the end all be all. It just isn't. And the hardest thing to do is in our lives make an exchange of living not for this life, but living for the one to come. Deep down inside, we know this is not it. We all feel the weight of that, right? All the messy relationships, all the disappointments, all the sickness and cancer and miscarriages and rejections and addictions and heartbreak and loss. We all know this place is messed up. This isn't it. This isn't what we were crafted for. We all know, we all want to see it, whether we're trying to fight for uh, the next cure for the next disease or we're looking for the next vacation just to get out of our miserable existence. Whatever the next thing is, we're constantly grappling for it. Every one of us knows deep down, this ain't it. And the point that Jesus was saying to his disciples and the point that I think Paul was making to the Corinthian church is, listen, there's a reality that is beyond here. It is eternal, and it's what we actually live for and towards. And you and I can't even begin to imagine what this place is like. We can't even begin to wrap our minds around how amazing what God has prepared for us. We were meant to crave to go home to the place we were always intended to be. You and I know this isn't home because it's just not right. We were meant to crave for what our final home will be. Every one of us, it's in our heart. And herein lies the issue. We cannot crave for that which we know nothing about. You know what's, uh, I think, one of the most amazing things is just in doing a little bit of research uh, for this series and looking for information. What, are the, what do the church fathers have to say about heaven and the eternal life? And what, what do uh, past theologians, what do they have to say? And as you start looking at it, I'm going to be honest with you. There's just not a ton of information out there. Throughout church history, there's a ton of stuff that we've made major. And the one thing that often gets left off the docket is heaven. We're meant to live for this actual reality that we're all made for, that we're all going to. And the very least thing that I think is ever actually included or studied or understood is heaven. 
And the question is, is how can we actually crave and how can we actually think about our real future home if we know nothing about it? How can, we, how can our heart be stirred? How can we begin to live for another time, live for a home if we don't know anything about it? Now, um, I like to know, I like to have knowledge about things. So uh, uh, my wife, uh, for, our, for, our, for my 40th birthday, she wanted to surprise me with a trip to go to Boston. Never been there before. I'm a total history geek. I love historical things. And, um, and Boston's about as old as it gets, right? You got to go to the other side of the world if you want to go to anything historical more than like 200 years old, right? You just got to leave this place. So, so we, wanted to go, we wanted to go to Boston. So, but she knows this one thing about me, that half, half of the enjoyment of actually getting to go to the place is me getting to research the place that we're going to, right? That's half the fun, you know, because some of you know what I'm talking about. Because you're, you're probably one of two people. You're like, I want to know everything about where I'm going. I want to know all the places we, I can go to. I want to know about every little thing because I want to make sure I see all of it or I experience all of it. Or you're the person that's like, I just want to be amazed when I get there. I don't know. Just don't, don't, I'm not worried about it. I'll just, whenever we get there, I'll just, you know, open my eyes and bam, it'll be. I'm the one that's like, I want to know what is the best pizza place to eat in Boston. And it just so happens that one of the coolest, best, like, hipstery pizza places is, like, just a mile down on the same road as Harvard. So we're doing this, right? This is what we're doing. I want to go. So I want to see the old North Church where they lit the lanterns, one if by land, two if by sea. The British are coming. You know, Paul Revere's ride. I want to see that church. I want to touch that lantern. You know, I want to see what's going on. You guys know what I'm talking about. You do the research. Like the old, the old South meeting hall where the Boston, where they were going, yeah, they're taxing us. And I don't like that. So let's throw some tea into the sea. You know, that thing, you know, like let's get angry here. That, I want to go to that meeting house where that whole thing got stirred up, right? I want to know all of it. So I'm doing the research and half the fun of actually showing up in Boston for me was actually being able to go, these are all, there. this I can do this, and we can go here, and we only have this so much time. And so, you know, if, I, if we, like, go over here, then if just it'll be real fast. We can go over here. And, then, and I'm just like, and, and, and so that at the end of the night, I hit my head on the pillow, and I'm just exhausted because I saw it all. I experienced it all, but I knew what was there. I had an opportunity to think about it. I had an opportunity to chart the course and to imagine what it might be like. And that was half of the excitement for me. Jesus wants that same kind of wonder in our hearts for our home. What, what will it be like? What is it that he's actually charting for us? Jesus is going, guys, I'm preparing something for you, and you can't even begin to imagine and the problem is, is I think we read the scripture and it said, no eye has seen and no ear has heard. No heart can begin to fathom what God has for those, has prepared for those who love him. And I think we thought, well, I guess we might give up. I guess we might as well just, I hope it works out. But actually, if you look back at verse 10, these things, what did God do? He wants to reveal it to us. 
These things God revealed to us through his spirit, meaning he wants to tell us about it. In fact, um, Randy Alcorn is an amazing church leader. He uh, wrote a book called Heaven. He says, uh, he has a quote, he says, God tells us about heaven in his word, not so we can shrug our shoulders and remain ignorant, but because he wants us to understand and anticipate what awaits us. God's speaking about it, and he's going, there's something that we should burn for internally. Colossians chapter three says this, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. So here's the encouragement. We see it all through. Now we're seeing it from both Jesus' lips, both from the Apostle Paul. We're hearing it from Peter, and every one of them are saying, hey, there's something bigger and grander, and have you set your gaze on it? Have you set your mind? Have we even begun to imagine what this thing is? There's another home. And so the question is, what actually awaits us? What actually awaits? What is actually in our eternal reality? So I want to begin to explore that over the next few weeks. That's what we're going to explore. Now, let me just, let me first tell you what this is not, what is not, okay? I want to be clear about what is not awaiting us, because these are all the things that from, from like pop culture that we've, we think we know about heaven. One, um, you do not become an angel with wings. Okay, I don't know whether you can fly or not, but I can tell you this. You're not becoming an angel. You're not getting wings. And I can tell you're disappointed about that. It's going to be okay. All right, God has something better for you, okay? Um, we do not play harps on fluffy clouds, okay? Unless you're possibly a harpist now in which you might play a harp in the age to come. But otherwise, harps, fluffy clouds, um, you being maybe turned into like a fat baby cherub or something, that's, this is, that's not it either, that you won't find that anywhere uh, in Scripture. Also, we do not become weirdos who speak in monotone voices. Like the, like the, pers- like the crazy lady in um, Lord of the Rings, where she's like, and the world shall be in ice and fire. All right, that's, that's not heaven either, okay? You will not become crazy monotone voice lady in heaven. Okay, that's, that's not the death. Just in case, because I'm, I'm literally, as I'm, as I'm looking and as I'm studying for this message, there are, hear this, there are pastors who are confessing I got to be honest with you. I'm not really excited about heaven. These are people who have gone to seminary. People who have given their lives to the ministry. Now, please hear this. The message of the gospel, the entirety of the gospel is that we are broken and in desperate need of God and that he wants to save us from this misery to what? 
be in heaven with him. Meaning this, you can't extrapolate Jesus from heaven or heaven from Jesus. They're one and the same. That means heaven is where Jesus is. That means that's your home. They don't, you can't separate these things out. And the truth is, is we're all afraid of heaven because, of course, the final, final thing from pop culture is that heaven is a really, really, really long church service, okay? And everybody's going, oh, my gosh. I don't know, you know, like, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure that I just, I want to do church for the rest of my life because you're going, this pew doesn't feel that good. You know, like, how long is the sermon going to be? And do I have capacity to sing that chorus one more time? And we're just asking that question, right? But this is often our idea of what God has prepared that no eye can, can, has seen or can, could possibly comprehend, right? This is it. And we're going, man, that, uh, that sounds bad. I don't want to be a part of that. And so the, here's the question. What happens to us in heaven? What actually happens? Now, I'm going to break this question up into two parts. And we're going to do part one uh, today. Then next week, we're going to talk about eternal death, which I know is your favorite subject, but I know you're going to want to be here. I tr- trust me, you're going to want to be here next week. Because it's critical we understand um, for our lives and for the lives of every person around us. And then uh, next week, and then the week after that, we're going to talk about the new heaven and new earth. Because here's a big time news flash. When you and I pass on from this life, we go directly, as we talked about last week, we go directly into the presence of Jesus, okay? We're right with him. Can't, Can't wait for that. But guess what? Even that is not the final resting place. And what scripture is going to tell us and what we'll look at in a couple of weeks is that there's going to come a day when Jesus says, I'm, I finished my, what I was doing here by my Holy Spirit. I'm coming back. I'm putting the flag in the ground, punching Satan in the face forever. I'm resurrecting all the bodies where we get our body back, which we talked about last week awkwardly. We're going to get our body back, our resurrected body back. If you were here last week, you get it. We're going to get our, our resurrected body comes back. And then what God's going to do is establish a new heaven, new heaven and new earth. And then we get to experience what uh, all the scripture has to say about uh, uh, our final home, our actual real home. Okay, so we're going to study that in a couple weeks. But what I want to do this is say, what happens almost immediately when we come into the presence of Christ? There's three core things I want us just to look at, and then we're going to be done. We've got like 10 minutes left, so uh, we're going to jump into this. So here's, here's what's going to happen. Um, first and foremost, our capacity for joy now becomes limitless, our capacity for, so when we pass from this life, here's the first thing that happens. We get into, we go right into, we get to be right with Jesus, right in the moment we go to heaven. It's, gonna, it's the temporal heaven, but we're going to go there. We're going to get into the presence of Jesus, and here's what's going to happen. Your capacity is going to begin to shift in a way that you never thought possible. Now, um, 
How many of you uh, went on a really cool vacation spot, this, like saw something really neat, maybe Grand Canyon or an ocean or something like that? Just raise your hand real high. Saw something cool-ish, cool-ish, okay, right? And here's what happens. You go to that place, you go to that place and you look at it and you're inspired. It's amazing. I've never been, anybody been to the Grand Canyon? I've never been there. Just raise your hand real high. Okay, Grand, okay, you guys, well-traveled ministry here, church here, okay, that's good. You go to the Grand Canyon and everyone I've ever talked to says, it's the most amazing thing. You look at it and you can't even get your head around how amazing it is. But at some point in time, um, you're looking at and you can't even necessarily compute what you're looking at. You're looking at it and it's amazing, but then you can kind of maybe come back the next day or maybe then you can hike down or hike up if you're kind of into that thing or if you look, you're glutton for punishment and you want to do that. When you're at the Grand Canyon, you could do that, okay? But at some point in time, you've seen all you can see, you hit the limit and then you uh, go back home. This past uh, fall, uh, our men's ministry had a men's uh, retreat. Our men's retreat was at Fall Creek Falls. So that was... New, new first time experience for me. We went to Fall Creek Falls and it was late in October and we go to Fall Creek Falls and um, we're hanging out there, staying in this little bitty place and then uh, that, the net, that, the, we were there that evening so I didn't, couldn't see a lot. That next day we go out and I'm looking out and I'm looking now and I'm, I'm here. I'm West Texas hick boy, okay? So I step out and I look at this waterfall and the leaves are changing. And I, I swear, I'm like, what am I looking at? And I'm, I'm looking, you guys are all, you're like, we're Tennesseans. This is, okay, rookie. All right. I'm looking at this and I'm in my mind, I'm going, I don't think my brain has the bandwidth to understand what I'm looking at how beautiful these trees are. They're changing in the waterfall. And uh, we took our kids this summer to a different waterfall. There's waterfalls all over the place here. It's insane. You guys have, it's amazing. We, <laughs> you guys, we guys had got some stuff here in Tennessee. It's amazing to, to, to make your eyes pop out of your head and go to these waterfalls and you see all these amazing things and you go, but here's the problem. You only have so much that your mind can take in. You hit the limit, you've been, and at some point in time, it becomes, oh, yeah, I've been there before. Oh, I've been to Fall Creek Falls. Oh, I've been to these places before. And what we all feel and experience is that we have a ceiling. We have a ceiling that we, that, that we hit in being able to construe what's in front of our minds. And here's what happens. The minute we go into the presence of Jesus, the cap comes off. And all of the sudden, we begin to see and understand things we could never understand before. Our mind and our eyes, our brains are able to process things that we've never understood before. 1 Corinthians 15, so it is with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable, but what is raised is imperishable. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. If there's a natural body, there's also a spiritual body. 
Here's what Paul's saying is that everything that got put in here, it's capped, it's limited. When we get into the presence of Jesus, the cap comes off and our ability to understand even the story of humanity changes. We get into his presence and we can't even begin to understand. Uh, Jonathan Edwards, the great theologian says, you'll be enraptured with joys that are forever increasing and yet forever full. Now let your brain hit that for a minute. You will be enraptured with joys that are forever increasing while, you're, while at the same time you are full of joy. Totally full yet ever increasing. Can never hit the cap. So the Bible says we, we get this, these resurrected bodies and they're stronger, they're fuller, they're more spiritual, they're more glorious, more everlasting, and they're everlasting. And our delight, knowledge, intellect, all our affections, they all get renewed and restored so that we can enjoy Jesus in a way that we never thought possible. Jonathan Edwards says, our, I want you to capture this. Our earthly soul had only a little spark a little spark of divine love in it. And heaven shall be, as it were, turned into a bright, ardent flame like the sun in its full brightness that has no spot on it. Meaning this, we have right now this, this. And when we get into Jesus' presence, it's like going from this to the sun. This is what God wants us to set our eyes on. Heightened sense, new experience, the wow, the moment that you get at the ocean or the Grand Canyon to the nth degree beyond anything that we could imagine. And when that happens, we have these unending waves then of the discovery of Jesus. So it's not just about taking in the scenery of heaven. It's not just about understanding even the point of all human history and having a, a, a greater understanding of it. But God is infinite. Therefore, he can infinitely be enjoyed. I want you to hear this. Jesus is not worried about you and I running out of ways to keep up with a revelation of who he is, our ability to enjoy him. If you've ever been concerned, I might be a little bored in heaven. I can promise you this. Jesus isn't worried about it for two seconds. Not worried for two seconds. His character, who he is, it's, he's unsearchable. We'll keep searching and understanding. The, the cap comes off and the awe and delight, and we'll get pictures of it. You'll, you'll read about it, pictures in Revelation, where John's getting the revelation, and you, and you know, you see the elders, and you see, uh, the, you see the angels, and we'll talk a little bit more about this in a couple of weeks, but you'll see all these amazing beings and people in heaven, and you know what they're doing? They're just gut level, flopped over, screaming at the top of their lungs, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb. They can't stand up. And then every time they think they can stand up, they come back up, they look at him, 
and they gut level fall over and scream, holy, holy, holy. We've not begun to imagine. And the difference is when we get there, our capacity. Do you understand when we get and we see Jesus face to face, it's not that we've got all the information finally. It's that now our capacity has been expanded to explore forever. There's no cap. It goes on and on and on. You can imagine just the scope of the universe. If you need to close your eyes, do this. Just imagine this with me for just two seconds. Imagine the universe is trillions of shining stars and burning brighter than the sun. Huge, magnificent, billions of galaxies. They're all magnificent. They're all vast. The one that we're in the Milky Way is nothing compared to many of them out there. Colorful, mysterious, but here's the deal. Every one of them are finite. If you can get this in your head, it's constantly all in motion, but it's all finite. And though it's, they're amazing, every ounce of the universe falls utterly short in comparison to the breadth, the length, the height, and the depth of the love of Christ. Can't begin to fathom his love, his grace, his kindness, his wisdom, his power, his mercy. They're all never ending. They're all infinite, like the infinite universes, if you will, for us to rejoice and take delight in. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine, you, uh, you've maybe done this before in school where you've studied one subject and you felt like you knew everything about it. You tried to grapple with all of it and try to capture all the information. And if you'll understand the mercy of God, you'll never be able to get the end of it. Or the radical kindness of Jesus. It's just one facet of, right? Jesus is kind. That's one facet of who he is. Never get to the end of it. We'll just have these unending waves after wave after wave of understanding. This is, of course, in contrast. I thank, I thank God for the song Amazing Grace, but we said when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less day, days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. And if we're not careful, we turn eternity into a big, long singing service when the truth is, is it's day after day after day of unfolding revelation of the Son of God. That's what he's prepared. This is, this is what he's preparing. And he's saying, listen, take your eyes off of this momentary place. Do not let your hearts stop with just this life. Because the, the big revelation is that we get a front row seat to God's divine plan unfolding before us. Now I want you to hear this. One of the great 
things that is going to ignite real worship is when we get before Jesus and all of a sudden we understand. Now, here, here's what we need. Let, let's be gut level honest. We're humans. We don't understand sickness. We don't understand cancer. We don't understand four-year-old babies who die from diseases. We don't understand the wrecks that remove a spouse overnight. We've all been party to this. You've either, you've either seen it in your own life or you've seen it in the lives of family and friends around you. We look at this world and we can't get our minds around all the horrificness we see. We don't understand how it all works. And, and truthfully, we have a hard time understanding if God is good, why is any of this happening? We don't fully get it. And when we get into his presence, here's what's going to happen. Our mind's going to open and all of a sudden we'll say, oh, now I know. Now I get it. Now I understand. I didn't know what you were doing. I didn't see it. I couldn't construe it in my mind. And we'll get before him. The lid comes off. And all of a sudden, we're going to see the massive 10 trillion moves of Jesus each and every moment to orchestrate all of human history to this moment where we see the grandeur of our God. It'll all make sense. Every hurt that you've ever experienced will come into alignment. I want you to hear this. Every sickness, every disappointment, every place where we wanted a different outcome than, we were, than, than what we got, it all comes into alignment. And guess what? We fall on our knees and we praise and we're undone by it and it changes how we see everything and church the invitation the invitation is not just for then but it's for now can we begin to put our minds on things above and not on things on earth can we begin to let go of holding on so tightly to what we can get in this life so that we can live for our true home? Can we be free to do that? Because here's the problem. If we don't rise up to heaven, Jesus says it himself. He gives the warning. He says, Matthew chapter 6, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal here's here's just what he's saying don't let your life be anchored to this place don't let your hope don't let your joy don't let your delight be anchored only to this place. We have to fight the temptation to orient our lives around finding our fullest joy in junk that is temporary. 
This is the fight. This is the battle for every one of us. This is what we're all facing when we leave this room in just a couple of minutes. It's what's in front of us. That's the temptation to think that there are things here that are going to make us alive. If, you're, let me, if the source of our joy is rooted in having stuff in this life, it will stifle the work of God in us. I want you to hear that. If there's anything in this life that we feel like we must have in order to be fulfilled, it will stifle the work of God bringing us to our future home, allowing us the freedom that we were meant to live in. And Jesus is saying, listen, don't settle. Listen, he's not saying houses are wrong or cars are wrong. None of those things are having family or relationships or safety or comfort or any of those things are sinful. Here's what he's saying is, don't put your stock in these things. You're here for four seconds and then eternity. Set your eyes on on the time to come where he'll blow our minds and he's preparing that place for us. You pray with me. Father, I thank you. I thank you that you're here and I thank you that you are in fact preparing a place for us. You're giving us a moment where we come into your presence where the lid comes off and we see you for who you really are. We understand all the disappointments. We understand all the hurts as they come into alignment with your divine purposes. We just be the first to confess we don't have it all figured out, but we know this, we don't want to be tied to this life. Would you help us set our eyes, our gaze on you? Would you help us put our hope in our final home and not in this one here? Would you help us walk with determination? In fact, just where you're at, say, God, give me uh, the capacity to walk with the determination for my final home. Let me not be unhealthily anchored. God, we thank you for every way that you provide for us in this life. Your provision is so good. We thank you for your provision in this life. We look to you for it. But Lord, may we not be anchored in any way that would keep us from living your divine call. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Blessings, guys. Uh, If you will, you close your stuff up. Just stand up real quick. I'm gonna bless us as we go. Final benediction. Just wanna pray the word of God over us as we go and uh, look forward to seeing you guys uh, next week. Feel comfortable. You can put your hands out uh, just in an attitude of receiving as I pray this uh, blessing as we go. Um, If you are interested in needing or wanting prayer, we're gonna have a few people up here. We'd love to pray with you uh, if God's doing something in your life. Father, would you bless and keep us? Would you make your face shine upon us? Be gracious to us. Would you lift up your countenance upon us and speak your peace over us? And we just praise you that we don't have to wait for heaven to have any of that. That you're glad as a father to do it now for us and your son. We're walking in.